0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to episode 71 of the Antler Up podcast and on this episode Dimitri and I sit down, have a conversation with Dan Stanton of Elk Shape and the Elk Collective. We talk to Dan about how his mindset has helped him become more successful in the business and hunting world. We dive into being mentally and physically prepared for life, his Elk Shape Camps, the Elk Collective, and how a Total Archery Challenge event can help you prepare for your upcoming Hunting season and a whole lot more. Sit back and enjoy this fun episode. He gave out a code for the Elk Collective to save thirty dollars, so use that code. Podcast. Dan, thank you so much for coming out. I know you're a busy, dude. Best of luck to you hunting this week, chasing some bears. Check them out, Elk Shape. Awesome stuff. Till next time, everybody. Enjoy this episode and antler up. And before we get into the episode, I want to thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino in the, his pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. And they drop the new featherlight, which is awesome for the backcountry, trying to save some ounces. Awesome, awesome blade. And Shea's creativity, his high-quality materials are functional but unique designs coupled with his precise leatherwork, make his products that will last a lifetime. My family and I love ours. Check them out over at ShayButlerKnives.com, and had the opportunity to use Onyx hunting app, the number one hunting app this past weekend with my dad. Uh, we were walking the mountain and we were doing a little bit of whitetail management work. I used the tracker feature when we were checking out some of his pre hung stands and to his cameras, uh, and I was able to measure our distance and elevation change. And as we scaled the mountain, so you can use this feature for anything you do checking sheds, hiking, or simply checking the distance from your entry location to your setup location. And don't forget right now, if you sign up with an elite membership, you get exclusive member benefits from Top Rut, Exo Mountain Gear, Vortex, and a lot more. So check out and download the number one hunting app at onyxmaps.com. And also want to just thank our partners over at Tethered this past uh, season. You know, I've talked about it many times of what, how, and how much I loved hunting from the Phantom Saddle this past year and love my overall setup. Well, this past weekend, we held the Philly Teach and Train Tour event. And I just want to say thank you so much to everybody that was involved, that showed up, had the pleasure of meeting. Everybody was fantastic. It was a wonderful day. Uh, Already looking forward to the next one. Some new stuff coming out, too, from Tethered. So check it out over at TetheredNation.com. Thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Enjoy this episode. Antler Up. All right, everybody. So we're live. We're ready to rock and roll with another episode of the Antler Up podcast. On the other line, we are joined by Dan Stanton of Elk Shape. Dan, man, thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time. So welcome.
1: Hey, man, my pleasure.
0: So, Dan, right off the bat, uh, you know, we're here in in central Pennsylvania. You're out there in Washington, correct? Yep. Yep. So you are, uh, right now in the thick of things of, uh, preparing for what, two, two months, but now maybe three months away from your first elk hunt.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, we're June 1st will be kind of the 90 day mark.
0: Okay. So you're getting ready. What, Where, where's, what's the first hunt that you have coming up?
1: Um, well, we're spring, spring Turkey is going on right now. Yep. Um, yeah spring bear in idaho i got two bear tags for idaho and that's that's pretty important for me to do spring bear hunting just because it's a good time to get out and test gear uh have fixed broadheads dialed this time of year so you can kind of coast into hunting season plus you know knock the rust off so to speak when you're out there i know i'm a little rusty i've made a couple stocks on bears already um i kind of kicked a rock when i was in at 40 yards on a a bear I wasn't going to shoot, but I was trying to get as close as possible just for practice and only made it to 40 before I kicked rock bears have good (laughs) hearing. People don't give them credit. Their vision sucks, but they can obviously smell better than just about anything. And they're, they're pretty good at hearing, um, unless they're preoccupied. And see what else I made another stock on a bear, got to 35 and decided to pass. But, uh, Just, I felt kind of rusty and that's pretty important for me to kind of chip the rust off this time of year when it comes to, to that. And then uh, I'll take a break from hunting, do a couple total archery challenges this summer, spend as much time as possible with my family doing things that they like and uh, maybe sneak out for a scouting trip or two tops. uh, And then I'll probably start antelope hunting August 15th.
0: Awesome. So August fifteenth is kind of that you're getting ready for the, the the go around come fall. Well, I just saw too. You had your family out with you doing a little bit of turkey hunting too. Just was it was that this past weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah, nice. it was a couple of days ago. Um, my wife is a nurse, and she was she doesn't work a lot, but when she does, she does twelve hour shifts. So uh, she was at the hospital, and the kids were just totally into screen time. And they're four and six. And I was like, you know what? I got a turkey tag. Grab your stuff. We're going. Didn't even put camo on. (laughs) Didn't throw a blind in. Didn't grab decoys. Had a call in my truck and went to the closest spot. And we just got lucky. Pulled over. Literally got the kids out of the car. Shut the door. I think the turkey actually gobbled to the door shutting. Um, So we just had a midday gobbler looking for love and a couple yelps we just set up super fast and shot the Turkey before the kids even knew what the heck was going on. And <laughs> of course now they think Turkey hunting's like, going to be like that every time. Yeah. So, well, but it was cool. I mean, I, they it's so special for me to, to be able to bring them out and to the outdoors. And that same day we, uh, got the Turkey taken care of. And then we actually drove to Idaho and checked. Uh, I have one bear bait out in Idaho. I usually do spot and stock for bears, but I do have a bear bait out as well. And we went and baited that and set up a ground blind and just had them in the outdoors all day. And to me, that's super important. Uh, Heck yeah, dude. I mean, my daughter, she's seven years old and, uh,
0: this is the, my favorite time to take her out just in the Turkey blind or just walk around just, I don't care if I'm not spooking any whitetail or at the moment, so that's the that's my bread and butter time to to get her out and introduce her to to the outdoors. And we we do a bunch of camping coming up here. We're, I'm a school teacher. I teach health and phys ed, and my wife is also a teacher. So once the summer rolls around, we're outside as much as we can, doing you know a bunch of family things, kayaking and camping, and taking trips. And uh, now that uh, last year, Dimitri and I we went out. west for our first western hunt out in utah which was awesome but we uh you know we drove out there so now i tell my wife like hey anywhere you want to go i you know we drove 27 hours i'm i'm comfortable going anywhere you want to go so let's get let's get on the road and and experience (laughs) experience some stuff man but awesome dan
2: well it's funny (laughs) dan you're you're the guy that i was just kind of uh complaining about the other day To, to jeremy we were actually out hunting uh last saturday and Caught in a Turkey and he, he popped out (laughs) at like 50 yards and I'm like under this like fallen tree, like perfectly hidden and, uh, comes to 50 pops his head up looking around and like i don't know like somehow he must have just uh busted me and i mean i didn't even feel like i moved and he just took off down over the hill and i was just telling jeremy i was like you know people take their kids out and they're <laughs> sitting in their lap and they're they're talking and you know the turkey comes in at like 30 yards and the kid's like shaking the gun because he's nervous and then he's like sh- shoots a turkey and i'm like geez this thing just comes in and it's like nope i see ya see yeah. ya <laughs>
1: Yep. I mean, I know that was pure luck. It yeah. will never happen again. So we'll take it. We'll chalk it up and uh, enjoy it. But uh, yeah, man, it's, turkey hunting is actually really hard and uh, it's why I make fun of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, man. Well, Dan, what I want to talk about, I want to cover, you, s- you said about total Archer challenge and uh, all that type of stuff. So I do want to get into that. Uh, but obviously I'm I'm sure individuals that have, are that are listening to our podcast know exactly where you're coming from like uh you know you have elk shape you have the elk collective you're running elk shape camps which you actually had uh in our backyard here in lancaster which uh i'm hoping that you come back next year because that's something that i I will definitely be attending next year uh for sure dude but um you know you've had a ton of success hunting running your own businesses from the gyms to elk shape and the elk collective you know and obviously now also with the social media presence that you have. I I heard you on a a previous one of your podcasts talk about like it's an ever evolving like treadmill. You're just, you're just pounding out this content and you know, to do all of that and to do at the level that you're doing it, it's a lot of hard work and determination and something that I want you to maybe talk about explain if you can is like, where is your mindset and how has that set you up for
1: success in all those worlds? Okay. Yeah. My mindset. Uh, hmm, Well I definitely just don't have a magic formula friends. I just, uh, kind of lean on hard work. People say that though, and it's kind of cliche. So let me like define, <laughs> like, like I am very driven and it, and I'm not motivated by very many things. Like I'm not motivated to try to make as much money as possible. There might have been a time in my life when I was, but it's certainly nowhere near a priority to for me currently. Uh, I just want to do whatever I do extremely well. So I very much have eliminated a lot of distractions in my life. And for me, that's like the most important thing is to have a super laser focus on what I'm setting out to do and probably identify the things that I suck at the most and kind of put them at the top of the list versus, you know, avoiding and taking a detour to go around weaknesses is just tackle them straight on. And uh, I'd be the first one to admit I'm not the best archer. I'm decent, but I'm not the best. And I probably have to shoot a lot more than most people to maintain that level of confidence uh, for in the field shots. Uh, when it comes to fitness, I'm not like a crazy fit guy. There's so many more people more fit than me. Trust me. I've competed in CrossFit. It's, it's a very humbling. Um, (laughs) but I'm, I'm way, I'm way more fit than your average guy, like hundred percent because I put the work in. Um, but when it comes to just figuring out, what can I do every day to make myself just a little bit better, uh, and never really rest on past success because, yesterday doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, the slate gets white clean every year. So 2021, I haven't killed a bull. In fact, that's my only goal. I say that in jest, but, uh, obviously I have other goals, but one of my main goals is to kill a bull in 2021. Um, it doesn't get old to me and it kind of drives me, but to circle back to like the, the meat of your question is yeah, man, like I am on a content treadmill. Like I have this business called elk shape. It's a lifestyle brand of selling people hard work. Literally, that's all I have to sell is just work hard and chase your dreams. And, you know, we have several platforms, podcasts and, and companies I work with. And I basically work for, there are strings attached. You being sponsored isn't as cool as it sounds. There are strings attached. There are deliverables, there are expectations. And so I'm expected to drop a podcast a week. I'm expected to drop at least a YouTube video once a week we do too, uh, to post on Instagram periodically and to, to mention them, take pictures. Um, and honestly, if long as I just get to do every day, what I love, which is anything to do with fitness and hunting. And if that means I have to bring a camera or take photos or hire photographers and videographers, then fine, sign me up. Um, and same thing with podcasts and you guys can appreciate this since we are doing a podcast right now. Um, when are you guys going to get a chance to talk to me or am I going to get a chance to talk to you for an hour? Only through podcasts have I gotten to really know so many great people. And I think it's a super special type of media. It's a long consumption and it's, it's very special and unique. And I I think that's why podcasts are so popular is because it's just a cool form of media. But at the end of the day, um, I just want to go elk hunting. I just want to kill an elk. (laughs) Everything else. is just kind of a blur. Except for faith and family, so yeah, man. I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, and I, I you know, Dan, I, that that's the one thing. Like watching your stuff, and you know, I I remember even watching like one of your first ever, uh, like dialing in your spot hog uh, fast Eddie site, and like your review on that like a few years ago. Uh, and I like I appreciated like your just the way you you go into your detail, and you could tell like you're you're a no nonsense. You put all the cards on the table. You know that's f- for for what we're doing that's appreciated uh and you do a fantastic job doing that and and like to kind of go off of the whole you know working hard and and doing all that type of stuff is that something that like was instilled in you while you were growing up or did that just develop over time and or did like a life event happen just because like for me you know i'm 33 years old and Uh, my parents, you know, were, were divorced when I was very young. Like I don't even remember and, uh, had a kind of different relationship with both of my parents and, uh, uh, we, you know, just, I played sports and activities. I had coaches, I had friends and, you know, kind of my makeup of, of how I am today is that, you know, everything that I've ever, that I have in my life or that I want to have in my life, I have to work. I feel like harder than the average individual. You know what I mean? I just have that, and that's in my mindset. Of you know, like you said, just go out there and just continue to work hard and uh, put forth the effort. Is that something along the lines that you know, or 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 am I totally off off base for how what how it was for you?
1: No, I appreciate what you're saying, and you know, yeah, divorce is something that happens, and seems like every household, mine included, it's uh, unfortunate. That's one of my wife's and I biggest things is we both come from. You know fam- we have great families great relationships but there's divorce on both sides and you know it's just we've always just said let's try to do whatever we can to stay you know stay married keep marriage the number one priority even over kids you know like yeah kids are a priority but our marriage comes first and uh i'll be honest that's probably my that's like the biggest uh threat to me being happy is not dating my wife while we're still married and not just being business partners in life. Like we really got to, uh, you know, put time and energy into that relationship and it is marriage is work. And if either, if both folks are not willing to put the work in, it's a recipe for disaster. But you know, I wasn't, um, like obviously my parents, great work ethic, um, both worked their asses off. Um, my dad is, uh, always been a hard worker oh like even to this day he's 65 and retired but i swear he's like doesn't know how to retire he's always doing projects and like all day projects all the time you know used to be a carpenter so obviously loves working with his hands and my mom um, is still a nurse still working not quite retired yet she's really fiery she's like a pistol she's very like i would say She's obviously the sweetest woman on this earth, right? Cause it's my mom, but like, she's also very forward and direct. And I get that from her and my dad is the opposite. He's extremely nice and passive and he hates confrontation. And I don't take after that at all. Like, so I do get my like, no BS, no fluff transparency from my mom. And I don't know why, but I think that kind of evolved as I coached folks into fitness. And I'll explain that in a second, but probably work ethic. I would look back and say, I was kind of a punk, lazy kid, pretty much spoiled. Um, I mean, we didn't grow up rich or anything, but like my parents definitely sacrificed for me and, and I was all about me, but something happened and going in from seventh to eighth grade where I was tired of being small and weak. And it just turned out that I had a mentor invite me to work out with him and, and literally write me up a food plan and buy supplements for me. Like, like weight gainer shakes and creatine and, and had me lift properly. And, oh my gosh. in just a couple months in that summer, I put on like, I don't know, 20 pounds. And I came into eighth grade, like super confident and like ready to wrestle, ready to play football. And people noticed. And so that, I don't know. I just look back and go, man, that, that guy, his name is Bill. He was super instrumental in my life. He really like kind of forged this idea of you put the work in while others don't and you're going to have success. Uh, and obviously like that stuck with me. And then I never really fell out of love with the weight room and strength and conditioning, uh, became a trainer when I was in right out of high school, put myself through undergrad and graduate school by being a personal trainer and then running health gyms and then Once I got my master's in exercise physiology, I was like, dude, I'm going to go be a strength and conditioning coach. So I went on this crazy tour to like New Jersey, New York, Arizona. And I just interned at some of the top speed and development training centers working with literally professional athletes, collegiate athletes, not taking a paycheck at first, but then getting hired on and just really fine tuning my craft. I was a certified strength and conditioning coach. I think it's called CSCS, I, yep. I don't have that cert anymore, but I mean, I was all in. And then eventually, fast forward, I, I opened my own gym, which turned into being a CrossFit down the road. And so for 11 years, I coached CrossFit classes and I had years and years and years of people coming in and understanding psychology. And, and when you're a trainer or a coach, you're actually a psychologist, you're a counselor, you have to listen. And understand people and really if you want to get down to the root of why are they the way they are and what can you do to help them actually make a change for the better it comes down to psychology and understanding people and so i think i just became more and more direct straightforward uh tired of hearing the same excuses or the same like i just want to get in shape that's your goal yeah i just want to get in shape when really when people finally like take the mask off they're like actually i want to feel good about myself i don't have any self-esteem and actually i'd like to be able to have energy to play with my kids when i get home from work but usually i just sit on the couch uh i actually want to learn how to cook real food because i rely on fast food or convenience um so just being a coach and working with athletes for so long i developed kind of a bullshit radar where i just can't stand it i can't stand anyone who's just beats around like let's just get down to brass tacks and let's just make it happen and so that's probably evolved and then you combine my background and and here i am today man i'm just like a a guy who's selling hard work i don't have an appetite for excuses i'm allergic to them and i just want people to take control of their life and create the best possible version of themselves
2: now talking about Uh, getting that mental toughness and, you know, for someone that's been around, you know, whether it's exercise or the hunting industry and you're kind of coaching them, how, how do you reach those people that maybe want to be successful, but maybe they just aren't able to get over that hump? You know, you've worked with athletes, you've worked with a lot of, you know, some of these hunt camps where people were very motivated, but there's some people that want to do it but they need that little bit of push to be uh, get over that hump and, you know, coming from someone that's been successful, sometimes, you know, those people don't relate to them as well. So in your experience, how do you motivate those people and kind of get them up to speed and, and, and really reach their goals?
1: Well, uh, I mean, It's pretty easy to, you know, it comes back to psychology. Um, People need to know their why. And I know that's cliche, but ultimately, if you don't have a reason to jump out of bed, if you don't have a fiery, like, see every day when you wake up and you look in the mirror or maybe you see a list written down of like, oh, yeah, that's what I set out to do. If you don't have a reason why you're setting out to do something – you will succumb to the seductive fruit of being lazy or complacent. And I don't know, man. I think that people, I think people want, but they don't want to put the work in. And if you don't want to put the work in, it's not going to happen. And once you finally get fed up of being average or complacent or that your life's not going the way that you want it, why don't you sit down and write down everything you really want to do, what truly makes you tick, what makes you happy, what brings joy in your life and work up a plan and work your way backwards of like the small, almost seemingly insignificant steps, but they do matter that lead up to the big goal. And then start knocking that stuff off your to-do list, do a little bit of something every day. And when you get down and out, revert back to your why. Like, why is it that important to you? Because, man, I can tell you right now, there's going to be more days that you don't feel like doing the things you need to do to get to your goal. But you got to fight through it and just get it done. And to me, that's mental toughness. That's how you get reps at overcoming obstacles is by, you know, I work out a lot. But I'm here to tell you, I usually can come up with some sort of excuse before every workout as to why I shouldn't stop what I'm doing and go break a sweat. But I usually just go do it. Try not to think about it. Just shut up and go work out, start warming up, start, just start getting the ball rolling. And all of a sudden an hour goes by and dude, I just got my workout done that I didn't want to do. And I feel better and I have more energy and I'm getting closer to my goals. This is a big win. So it can be anything from your career to your family to your faith it's going to boil down to your why and then discipline disciplining yourself because i can tell you right now you are not going to rely on motivation motivation and inspiration i get messages all the time on instagram and i appreciate them but they're like oh my gosh i love your stuff you're so inspirational or man you really motivate me and i don't ever respond to them and tell them this but this is how i actually feel is like that's too bad because I shouldn't motivate you. I shouldn't inspire you. Like you should inspire yourself. Like look at your life. Are you going where you want to be going? And that should motivate you enough to go take action. Um, Because motivation is just a feeling, man. It comes and it goes, but discipline. That's the equal. That's the equalizer. That's what separates the men from the boys is discipline yourself. And that's kind of what I depend upon is discipline.
0: And that's the one thing for me, like being a teacher and, and a am a varsity baseball coach and I've coached uh, football before and uh, dealing with personal training clients too. And, you know, I talked to you before in, in the email, having a personal training degree and um, certification and kinesi- kinesiology background, but I, it always seems like people are always just looking for that easy excuse and they're not necessarily looking for that plan of action how to you know break down that barrier but just finding that easier excuse as, as to why uh and and going back to like what is your why that's one of my biggest things that i always talk to my teams about you know right i i do an assignment like mid-year of whatever season it is like. Hey, over the weekend, come back on Monday with a piece of paper. And I want you to tell me, you know, I, obviously I give them a couple of more questions, but the number one is why, like, why do you play this game or why do you love, uh, being a part of this team and kind of go off of that. And it's, it's fascinating to see what some of these kids say. And, uh, and you know, it, for me two years ago, that was the number one thing that I think turned our season around uh Dan for us for for baseball because we're struggling and I remember getting off the bus I said fellas I want you to think about what is your why why do you play this game of baseball why do you love it why did you put in you know for you seniors uh you've been playing it for 15 of your 18 you know years of your life what why is it important to you and they come came back that next Monday for practice and it was you know a whole new team it's just fascinating uh when you do break it down and and try to get these people to explain what is their why?
1: Yeah, that's important to understand that I would assume most people have a fairly good idea as to their why, but I don't think most people take the time to be still get a pen and paper and actually kind of like write down, put it in writing and kind of bring breathe it to life. Mm -hmm. And then, then you kind of make a plan and you know, you plan your work and work your plan. And it's all about small, tiny, insignificant steps that are not insignificant. I'm telling you like, maybe your goal is to lose 20 pounds. Please don't try to do it in a month, you will gain it back. But if you can do it over the course of like 10 to 12 weeks, slowly and steadily, and figure out what you're gonna do each day that builds up to one week, the next week, the next month, I don't know, man. Goal setting still really cool. It hasn't gone out of style in this household. And I think it's something that people can do with anything from hunting to their fitness, to their nutrition, to their work or their career or even their side hustle. You know, so
2: that's what I with a lot of my patients, you know, I'm up front with them. You know, there's two things right off the bat, especially at that first evaluation that I want to tell them. One, I want to educate them on what's going wrong. Or they can understand it and kind of have an idea of, you know, what's wrong and why it's wrong. And then two, you know, up front, I'm telling them these are the things that you need to do to get better. You know, I can obviously there's some th- good feel good things I can do right now to calm things down, but if you don't put in the work yourself, then you're not going to get better. You know, these aren't things that are just, you know, going to take a short period of time, so I want to be upfront with them that they have to put the work in, you know, so this isn't going to work if you're not willing to motivate yourself to do it and get better. So that way they kind of understand that, you know, they have to put in the time put in the effort and, and you know i can give you the steps and 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 give you the path that you need to take but if you're not willing to do it yourself then you know you're not helping yeah and Dimitri's
0: a physical therapist dan that's why he was saying about it. <laughs> um but dan did you notice too when you were working with individuals especially like in the gym or do you even see it like at your elk uh shape camps like that so like let's we'll focus on two different things for the fitness side you know, when they're, if you're training an individual, you have them there for that hour or however long you, you, you know, you have them for that, that time frame. but you can't control what they do outside of once they step out of side of your gym. Right. And it's the same thing. If they, you go from the elk shape camp, you come, you, you go through all the things you have Joel Turner there, you know, pounding on your hat with a, with an arrow telling you to, you know, go ahead, punch a trigger and you don't, and you do do it at that time. And you, you need to work on your target panic during that time they're there, they're motivated. It's that outside, you know, they got to work on that type of stuff. It, have you noticed, uh, you know, people, uh, reaching back out to you that maybe attended your gyms or your camps that they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm sticking to it. And, uh, you know, that type of stuff at all.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. In fact, uh, that stuff fuels my fire. Just got a yeah. message from a guy named Landon. Uh, he was just out, I think our camp in Ohio, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just really cool to hear an update. Like it was an unsolicited update. I didn't ask for an update. I mean, we've done camps for four years, mm-hmm. probably had 200 people go through camps this year, man. Like I can't keep track of everybody <laughs> and it's all about bandwidth, right? Like yep. knowing your capacity. So, uh, I mean, I would love to be able to follow up with every person and do, you know, things like that, but it's, you know, it's difficult, but when somebody just reaches out unsolicited and says, yo, Check this out. I'm down 20 pounds. I got my wife a bow. We're shooting archery together. I'm spending more time with my kids. I've started working on my side hustle. Uh, I'm doing more e-scouting, and I just want to thank you for helping, you know, putting a fire under my butt to just be more disciplined. That's cool. That's rewarding. That's what. That's why I do these camps. Uh, we don't do these are basically personal development camps disguised as come to our camp and learn how to elk hunt or learn how to be more consistent at elk killing. But I mean, we do that. We do a great job of that. But at the end of the camp, I damn sure better have lit a fire into you to look yourself in the mirror and be like, okay, am I truly the best man? I can be for my wife and my kids. Am I like, I look in the mirror, like am I the best version of myself when it comes to being an employer? Or an employee? Am I a leader at work? Am I a leader at home? And am I doing? Am I setting the right example? So that's I just like self reflection. I like people to be honest, and I think iron sharpens iron, and we can get a community going like that. Uh, It's exciting, but yeah, there's been so many guys reaching out um, with the fire still burning hot. There's going to be some elk killers in the woods this year, man.
0: That's awesome, dude, man. Like I mean, that fires me up now. I mean, I this past weekend, I Friday. Uh, I visited my father we did some stuff up on uh, a mountain that we have property on and that we uh, whitetail hunt on and uh, Saturday morning from uh, nine o'clock until six o'clock p.m. I was with the uh, tethered uh, saddle hunting company we are running a uh, teach and train tour event that I was uh, the head point person for. Did that all day. Went back to my sister's. I met up with uh, one of my high school friends this morning. We hunted, or yeah, we hunted. We uh, golfed around, and after we did that, I drove three and a half hours back home, and the first thing I did was told my daughter, I said, get your glove, get your bat. We're going to the cages, and let's have some fun because I was, unfortunately, uh, I I set the, the date for this back in January. I didn't know when they were going to have like little mini first grade softball games and practices. Well, Saturday was the first one, which was a practice. And I missed that. And I felt terrible. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I set this thing for, for tethered and, uh, I wanted to hold true to my word of being there and doing that for them. And when I got home, I was able to do that with my daughter. And we got back from, from doing that whole softball thing. And then we went, grabbed her bike and she's still learning how to ride a bike and doing all that type of stuff. And now, uh, like, like you said, I wanted to be my whole drive home. I'm like, okay, what could I do to be a better husband? What could I do to be a better father? Uh, and all those things that you actually just said, just because it, where I'm at, it's, uh, you know, right now, currently it's, it felt like, man, I sucked at all of them. So it's like, I, it was a good time for me to reflect and uh, uh, to do that and kind of lit the fire and having you go through that little spiel just even continues it to go. So that's good stuff, man. I appreciate that
1: i love that your daughter's uh, into sports and that you're able to be there and i mean it's just little girls need daddies yeah straight up and it's on my radar too bro so i tip my hat to you
2: what's what i i love the excuse that people get is the number one you always hear is there's not enough time in the day right and and every time i think of that and i i sometimes i even use that excuse you know i wish i had more time to do this or more time to do that and then i always tell myself it's like you that's just an excuse you know you need to find you have plenty of time to do the things you want to do you know it's just maybe do you want to sit down and watch tv for an hour or could you take a half hour of that time and go work out or you know always use the excuse i want to you i want i should be able to have t- more time to read and, and you kind of use your kids as an excuse most of the time but You know instead of sitting there watching tv at night i could be sitting there reading or shooting your bow or you know e-scouting so you know i i think some people just need self-reflection of you know maybe you don't need that extra half hour hour of sleep and you could get through and there's you know plenty of time that you could be getting things done or you know that things that motivate you and and make you a better person
0: yeah and dan like even just to go off of like dimitri here last year was our first year like i mentioned going out west to, to hunt some mule deer and we we got our tails kicked we we had a blast doing it uh tail kicked as far as dealing with the with the mule deer i mean our physical we were pretty good for, for, for that physical fitness side of things however uh we wanted to feel comfortable shooting uh if a shot opportunity came at 80 plus yards so we really trained hard and Dimitri, before work, I mean, as soon as the sun was cracking, you were out flinging arrows, you mm-hmm. know, and sometimes like if I obviously did not meet you during that time frame later on in the evening, if it was the only 20 minutes he and I had a chance to fling some arrows out past 100 yards, so that's what we, we you know, we did. And, uh, you know, I know that's something that, that you know, you're on the doing the, on the daily with that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, man coming out West is like super intimidating, right? Like, yeah. uh, but one of the best camps we did this year was Pennsylvania. I mean, there was 32 guys at that camp. We were at Lancaster archery or Lancaster, however you want to say it. And, yeah. It was a, there was a serious crowd. I mean, we had some pretty veteran elk hunters at that camp who had killed several bulls, but were still there. Cause they just wanted to get one extra nugget, mm-hmm. uh, because they know better. Like the more seasoned elk hunter you, you become, the more you realize, uh, you're one little nugget away from killing another bull. And so I, I'm in the same boat. Like, yeah, I teach this stuff, but like, I'm always, my ears are always perked when I hear anyone talk up, who's got a pretty good resume and track record, uh, but coming out West is like, you know, it just takes a little more preparation in the archery side of things because you are going to be shooting at elevation. Yeah. Um, your arrows could, could shoot a little higher than say back in PA. I'm not sure if you guys are in the mountains, like Bo Martonic. Cause like Bo and I live at the same elevation. I'm in Washington. He's in PA, but he said he's at like 2200.
0: Yep. That's, That's what we're yeah. at. Yeah. We're that
1: we're Okay. We're at the same elevation, guys. I'm in Washington. It's not that. I mean, it's not that high country. And so when I go hunt elk at nine thousand feet in Idaho and Montana, or ten thousand feet in Colorado, or even New Mexico's got. I've killed a bull over ten thousand feet in New Mexico. It's like there's a lot to think about, like with the trajectory of your arrow, elevation, uh, as well as the air's a little thinner. As far as you know, your arrows. Grouping and then oh, yeah The thermals in the mountains are a little (laughs) different than in the PA flat country And then I know you guys got mountains So you have a pretty good idea what I'm talking about how that wind can move through Saddles absolutely draws as well as you know basins and All that kind of stuff to consider and then oh third axis like doping in your your third axis on your bow So that you can shoot steep and uphill down shots. I mean, you got to be ready to rock and roll, man. And there's really I would say like most folks would be lying to themselves if they were like, uh, I'm good, I'm ready to go. So like, <laughs> I do a lot of like ABT, always be tinkering yeah. on a lot of my YouTube stuff and socials, and the reason why what the ABT really means is like nothing's ever really good enough like being satisfied is a recipe for failure. So if you could always just kind of stay a little bit on the hungry side, you are going to be a better hunter. Uh, A hungry hunter is a dangerous hunter. And so just not being like, Oh, my bow's good. Or, Oh, I've shot it enough or, Oh, I've worked out enough. Or you know what I mean? So I love that ABT mantra, always be tinkering and just, Never be satisfied. Always be trying to make stuff just that much better.
0: Heck yeah! And I'll do a, a shameless plug for you. Your
1: shirts are on pre-sale, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're 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 ordering shirts uh, at the end of the month. We're doing a little pre so it should be cool.
0: Awesome, man! I'm gonna snag one of those. But well, I feel like this is a good segue going into now you, you we talked about the your elk shaped camps and the elk collective we mentioned that we talked a little bit about it you know do you want to just go over each one of those just like briefly just to talk about like what you know how what what you cover in those and how that's kind
1: of developed over the years yeah as far as the elk collective yeah well, if folks are listening and are like, what is the elk collective? Yeah, the name in itself is kind of what it's all about. It's a way for a bunch of successful elk hunters to come together and share their each individual insight and their flavor or style of elk hunting versus uh, if you look at other platforms out there, a lot of times you might get like a an elk hunting e-course and it's just this guy's way of getting it done. And... And that's good but i think it's probably better to learn from many than just one so uh jason phelps and john gabriel dirk Durham, and i started the oak collective about a year ago and we had this idea and we like we realized that the collective just isn't about us it's about all of our con- you know contributors and there's more than one way to skin a cat and that couldn't be more true in the world of elk hunting so we were like, let's create a video library. Let's make it very professional. We'll have a course. We'll be video driven because quite honestly, I ain't got time to read a PDF. Yeah. I'm more engaged with a video watching. I'm a visual learner. And then if I, if I'm an auditory, like learner, I can at least play the video and then do something else on the computer and listen in the background. So that's what we decided to do. And, um, I had a pretty good library of videos prior to the elk collective. It was called elk shape camp online. Okay. And it was just every camp we did, we'd film it from top to bottom and we had like 80 videos and people could sign up for elk shape camp online. I didn't, I didn't like that. It was just that. So we migrated that entire library plus 60 other videos that we've made in the last year to create the Elk Collective. And we bring in guys like Brian Barney, Ryan Lampers, Chris Rowe, the Elk Nut, obviously Jason Phelps and Dirk Durham, John Gabriel uh, and Joel Turner and a bunch of people you ain't never heard of, but you should have, you know, really good elk hunters. And we cover A to Z elk hunting, not only like tag allocation, like just how to get a tag, but the draws, e-scouting in depth so that you can create hunt plans hunt plans, reading maps, and then tactics, focalizations, elk behavior biology. And my favorite part in the entire elk collective is the director's cut where we go back, pull out a YouTube video that many people have seen. And we actually watch the video and narrate over it and stop it and talk you through like, okay, cause YouTube videos can be like a highlight reel. So we actually like to say, all right, pause the video. So what you're going to see here is this bull let out a small locator bugle very soft he was in his bed i could tell that he was in his bed because of the way the bugle was if we look at the terrain i could tell that he was in this patch of timber it's the tallest most mature patch of timber elk like shade they don't want to get up and re-bed the bulls most likely there plus it's a bench you can see the topography it's northeast facing you can see that the wind's prevailing this way and so we approach the bull that way like it's a step-by-step breakdown of videos that most people have already seen, yep. but through our lens. And it's just kind of like peels back all the fluff and just gets you to like, really like meat and potatoes of elk hunting, why we're zigging and zagging. And that's how you learn. So that's our, uh, I actually have a discount code for your listeners. Um, I had, I told John I was coming on. I said, Hey man, make me up a discount code in case they asked me about the elk collective. So the discount code is just, podcast one word and it'll take 30 bucks off it's 89 bucks a year for uh a membership and you can watch there's too many videos already you won't be able to watch them all but you can <laughs> figure out it's very well organized you can figure out which area you need to work on and so that'll take it down to uh 59 bucks i guess oh, nice. and uh give it a shot and learn by m- from many people versus just one now that sounds like phenomenal. And
0: uh, I, I mean, just hearing that of, of having the different variety of hunters is I think is the key just because I, I, we see that in the whitetail because that's the one thing that we focus on that, like mostly just because of obviously we're not coming out West as, as often, but you know, if we can pull strategies from Kip Adams from QDMA and all that stuff or from uh, the guys from THP and uh, like individuals that you don't hear from or know about, like that's where you're able to pull in and, and just become a better overall hunter because it, it could make sense to you. And that's where, again, like you were saying, why would you you know want to go on to one platform where it's just one individual, which is, hey, that's great, but that's only that individual's perspective
1: yeah i like that i'm, I'm here to tell you I'm, i can still have a lot to learn when it comes to elk hunting i am learning at every camp we put on and the day you think you know it all is the day you probably ought to be done because you don't <laughs> yep
2: well and i think a, a, you know these videos are great for people like us from the from the east yeah coming out west just because if you're going to spend the money you know to, to do these hunts you know it, it's a lot of money sacrifice time you know whether it's taking off work being away from family so you know if you're gonna do it you want to be give yourself the best chance to be successful And, and just knowing all these tactics and absorbing as much information before you go out there is going to be a huge benefit for you, especially if you're not someone that gets to go out there, you know, every year or every other year, like some people are able to do, you know, like us that may, it might be every five years or every 10 years, maybe who knows, but you know, you can really dive into a lot of this information before you go out
1: there. I think that being a student is super important and you're right. Like you have unlimited reps of visualization and you have a lot of time to get through the learning curve and avoid some of those most common mistakes and get some comprehension as to what you just signed up for when you bought that over the counter elk tag in Colorado. Like you need to like really put together a solid plan of A to Z because I'm here to tell you everything's going to change. When you pull up to the trailhead, the mountains are way bigger than you thought on Google earth. Uh, there's going to be 17 trucks parked at the trailhead that you thought you'd have to yourself. Uh, it's just everything that can go wrong. will go wrong. Wildfires, other hunting pressure, elk not talking, struggling to get elk to vocalize. I mean, the list goes on and on. So if you think you're going to perform your best, when you're out of state, out of your comfort zone, at altitude, and guaranteed probably malnutrition and slightly dehydrated and maybe not in the best shape of your life, you're not going to be in a position to make great decisions. You're going to fall back at your highest level of training. I hope that you put some work in and really became a student because uh, elk cunning's hard. And that's really all – that's never going to go out of style. Like elk hunting is always going to be hard. These suckers are bigger. They cover more country, and they don't want to die. Uh, fire, fire
0: me up! Just making me want to be one of the one of the the other a million people going OTC in Colorado, man. Well, that's right. right. Yep.
2: That's like my my dad and i actually went turkey hunting uh up in the pennsylvania mountains where the elk are located and you know we're going through the woods and just seeing these massive you know elk rubs through these trees that are basically to the top of my head if not higher and it's just unbelievable of just picturing an elk just rubbing these trees that are just massive
1: oh yeah i mean i've seen pictures of Bo martonic's dad's sheds he's been scooping up and it's like there's some dandies up there some serious age class going on in pa
0: yeah it's crazy i just hope they they open it up uh give at least three more tags for for, <laughs> for residents that that'd be nice just have another little uh higher odds to to draw on one day uh but dan what's can, like what's we're going to continue with the, there's two more things that I want to just cover. And that last one is, uh, one of them is going to be talking about the total archery challenge and you talked about, you know, you're always be tinkering. And, you know, we ta- we mentioned a little bit about how could people prepare, you know, mentally and physical, uh, how, how could someone that is working on their own stuff is tinkering, getting ready for tack and then translate all of that success from both of those worlds to actual hunting. Uh, cause I like for us, the total archery challenge in seven Springs here in Pennsylvania is coming up in that first weekend of June. Uh, we've been shooting a lot more, doing a bunch of different things, making sure, like you said, tinkering with, uh, certain, uh, pieces of equipment, uh, arrows, all that stuff. So then that way, you know, come hunting season, I'm going to be full-fledged confident in what I'm able to do. Like that 83 uh, down here, downhill um, angle shot off a cliff or whatever uh, it is going to make me feel like that 22-yard shot from a saddle is going to be the, the easiest thing for me. So just kind of talk about what maybe you recommend people to go ahead and do to prepare for total archery challenge to set them up for success there, but then also bring, carry that over into the fall for whatever hunting they're doing.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so man, mountain challenges have always been important part of my process. I was at the era the very first ever, it wasn't even called total archery challenge. It was called, um, uh, it was Full Moon Productions uh, and Bocast, and it was called Bocast. The first year wasn't even at Snowbird, but the second year they rented out Snowbird there in Park City, Utah, and, and then from there it just got bigger and bigger, and then they quit, and then Sean DeGray picked up where they left off and bought it and called it Total Archer Challenge, and obviously Sean's a hell of an operator. He's really made it pretty trendy and all over the U.S., You guys even have one. Uh, but it doesn't really matter what brand you choose. Like seriously, Oh, in my neck of the woods, it's Northwest mountain challenge. Uh, There's mountain Fest. there's total archery challenge, and there's a bunch of like small ones, but just do a mountain 3d shoot Wear your backpack that you plan on wearing while going out West, like 20 to 30 pounds, put some stuff in there, keep your backpack on with your vinyl harness, wear your boots that's step number one step number two is don't set up like a cute little arrow with really small profile veins and super light so your trajectory and your pin gaps all tight and like that's cute stuff but i'm using total archery to make myself better uh i'm not there to like get the highest score i'm there to test my gear my setup uh the number three is you need to compete with your friends like I encourage you to put some money on the line dollar for dollar or every target closest one gets the dollar figure out who walks away with some cash when you're done or put some beer on the line. But I want to increase your perceived pressure. Pressure is perception. We're all all-stars in our backyard with bare feet, shorts, no vinyl harness, no wind, flat, I got a hundred yards range in my backyard. Most people have at least 20, 30 or 40 and they're gangsters. They're all stars in their backyard because there's no perceived pressure. That's never going to happen when you're hunting. You're going to have a backpack on. In fact, I've never, oh, I can't say that. I, most elk I've killed, I'm almost always have a backpack on. They usually don't, you know, you don't put, take your backpack off. <laughs> yeah. It's all on your back. Yep. So keep your backpack on, keep your boots on your vinyl harness get your heart rate elevated um i don't know about y'all especially whitetail i've never shot a whitetail with a low heart rate um whitetail freak me out compared to elk (laughs) i love whitetail hunting in fact my state is a sleeper state for big mountain bucks but seeing a whitetail come in is so much different than an elk an elk you're already on the ground your heart rate's already high because you're moving and grooving and covering country Whereas a whitetail hunter, you're in a stand, it's dead quiet, you're probably cold, and you can't move a muscle, a deer can hear you, breathe out, and there's your opportunity, and it's like zero to a million. Whereas elk hunting, I've never really experienced that zero to a million. You're already warm, you're already moving, and it's not as big of a peak or a vast change. Um, But most people... Don't do, don't think about that kind of stuff. And then obviously angles in the mountains, whether it's the lighting, the shade, the bright sun, the, the, the pitch of the shot, uphill, downhill, making sure that you aim anchor level, and then bend at the waist up and down that you don't just move your arm. All that stuff requires repetition. And if you've never adjusted third axis, this is not the platform to talk about third axis, but you should look it up or find somebody that could get your and shoot in your third axis. And most sites have it, some don't, but you want to want to have the third axis dialed in. Otherwise you're going to see your arrows go slightly to the right when you're shooting downhill. And then they will be shooting slightly to the left when you're shooting uphill or inverse that, and you're going to be frustrated. So it's testing grounds. It's like treat it as such, take advantage of it, get some competition, and go have some fun you're gonna walk out of there better prepared for the season
0: dude well said and that's the way i kind of like look at it is that it's gonna like you said i'm not getting all cute with you know the lighter arrows and trying to do all that stuff like i'm bringing my hunting setup so that way i'm fully confident when that moment comes coming the fall. So I like that how you how you you kind of mentioned that as a as a top thing. Well, I want to know who who took some home some money in San Antonio. Did did you?
1: Oh man. Uh, so <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Um No, I was shooting pretty good in San Antonio. Uh good Will the Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Will Cooper it works for Numa and he, then oh, I'm trying to think this other guy's name. I think his name was Aaron. He was the wild card. He kind of showed up there and, and he was part of the numerous squad. I had never met him before. He had a big old long draw lanes and he shot really, really well. I was really impressed with his execution. Um, he did kind of wear down towards the end, which was good for me. <laughs> and Will, Will was using a different, I'm going to give Will an excuse. I'm going to give him an out. He He was, they asked him to shoot an expedition bow. I think it was an expedition. Not that that matters, but like he wasn't using his home. Like he had a Matthews that he always shoots and he set this bow up real like last minute. So I don't think he had a lot of time with it. But uh, yeah, and I shot both days. And the second day, it was like 25 and 30 mile an hour winds. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys ever shot. And that's no exaggeration. And it, it actually turned out to be an, awesome day I, uh, we made it through 17 of the 25 targets and then w- the wind was so insane and i actually fi- i actually missed a target and that's when i was like okay i'm done like it was insane but uh, all in all i felt like i'll tell you what guys i left texas super confident in my setup and i felt really good about my shot execution and i kind of like keyed on a couple things to work on back at the lab here in spokane And, uh, I'm looking forward to, to big sky. We're actually, I'm taking two strangers to shoot it with me. We did a giveaway on our YouTube channel. Like
0: one of them is actually, uh, is friends with, this is going to sound kind of funny and goofy. Like, Oh my, this is awesome. Yeah. I need some
1: inside information. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like, you know, like my, my friends, cousins, brothers, uncle, (laughs) like it's, it's not that crazy. So the individual, uh, he's one of my buddies, his name's Shay Butler. He makes, uh, killer knives. He makes actually our hats. He makes a ton of people's hats out actually in the outdoor, uh, industry as well. Just awesome individual. He is uh, good friends with the, I'm going to say his name wrong, but the T Crothers, Crothers, the, that individual that you're taking, yeah.
1: Carruthers. Carruthers there we go. Is it yep. Tyler. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: yeah. Tyler. Yeah. He's so like, we're all kind of like in with Shay, uh, as far as like having like, you know, making hats and, and knives for us and doing cool things like that. So that's how I know. Like when I, when you, when I saw, uh, his name pop up on your YouTube channel, I was like, no freaking way. I'm like, that's unbelievable. Cause I, I entered to see if I could have won one. Cause I've been wanting to go out to big sky, big time. And, uh, do that shoot so and and i was like man if i could have a chance to shoot with dan that'd be hell of awesome but yeah dude that's kind of how i know him and uh i mean i don't know him know him but uh he's uh i know of him i guess i've messaged
1: with him obviously like to let him know hey we drew your name and it it was truly random like i didn't know this guy and yeah uh a little nervous honestly just because like we're gonna spend an entire day with the person on the mountain but uh all in all, our community at, at YouTube seems to be pretty cool. Like, so I was hoping to, you know, just give back to the community and take a couple of people that would, I mean, Big Sky sold out in 10 minutes. Yeah. Freakish. So I, I know the owner and we promoted it pretty hard. And I was like, I called them up a couple of days before. And I said, look, Sean, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Uh, I need a ticket for myself, for cameraman Jake and my producer, Tim and two strangers. And he said, okay, I couldn't believe it. So shout out to Sean for hooking that up. Uh, yeah, he charged me and, uh, we paid and we got the tickets and then sure enough, those things sold out. So, uh, be on the lookout. That video will probably drop at the end of July after the shoot. And, uh, I think your buddy Tyler or your friend of a friend. Yeah. I, Tyler said he's bringing a cameraman. I don't know. I I don't know anything about him, but he said he was bringing a a cameraman and a videographer. So he's, he's full send and I can't wait to meet him. And then the other guy, I can't remember his name, but I want to say he's from Arizona. Both guys are traveling to Montana and making some sacrifices. So I tip my hat to him and I hope that they have a great time with us.
0: I'm sure that's going to be a freaking blast, dude. Well, uh, Dan, last thing before we cover up, man, just because I think it, it's a good wrap up question because I think it will I think it will cover like who you are as an individual with your hard work and determination. But, uh, you know, you you mentioned it on our podcast. And I've heard you say it in videos and all that type of stuff about, you know, you live for elk hunting and you train for it 365 days a year for it. How has your training evolved, though, over the years? You know, what, what can you say? Like, man, when I first started, I definitely did this right, but I totally messed this sucker up. And, you know, do you feel like you've got a got it by the horns now, or are you still like you're, you know, always be tinkering type of ordeal?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I think the, <sighs> you're not going to like my answers. That's fine, man. It right now. No, it's all right. Yeah, I got to shoot you straight. So like, there's no secret sauce that I have other than consistency. Uh, Super unsexy answer, but it boils down to continuity. It is so much easier to stay in elk shape than to try to get into elk shape. I don't let myself get out of shape and that's the secret sauce for me. That's how I enjoy elk hunting and yeah, it's a grind no matter what I do, I'll lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds, some years 20 after a season. My season's all of September. Uh, but I've always felt limitless in the mountains. Like I'm not limited to, well, that bull bugled way down there in that hell hole and there's only an hour left to daylight. I'm not going after him. Screw that, I'm going after him. Right. I'll hike out in the dark. It's called the walk of shame. I've done it so many times. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't go, oh man, if I kill a bull here, how the hell am I going to get it out? I mean, I'd be lying if I said that thought it doesn't cross my mind. I'm like, oh man, we're pretty far back here. This pack out would suck. Well, let's find out. Let's get one killed and one step in front of the other and we'll get back to the truck. But th- at the end of the day, man, like I just know that I need to break a sweat. I need to be consistent and I really need to do it when I don't feel like doing it, which is actually more days than not and it's a mix of CrossFit. It's a mix of just pure strength and conditioning, weightlifting. Uh, when I say weightlifting, I'm talking like Olympic weightlifting, mainly cleans power squat. Uh, I don't go overhead a ton, some power snatches, not a lot of squat snatches anymore. Um, so if you want to know what's changed, I used to compete at CrossFit. So I used to do all this crazy Olympic weightlifting, which I love. Um, I just, it just takes a lot of work and it detracts from what I really need to do, which is just increase my work capacity, increase my general physical preparedness, make sure I mix in some rucks, some shooting under duress and make sure that I am spending the majority of my time working on things that I suck at. And for me, I suck at a lot of stuff, but mainly the short power output workouts, the real high intensity sprint type workouts. So I do a lot of shitty workouts like that. And, um, that seems to, you know, and if someone's listening is like, man, I'm really good at high octane, lots of power output. I can sprint on a bike. I can deadlift 500 pounds. Then you need to spend more time running and rucking and longer Metcons. Uh, yeah. So it's just, everyone's a little different. I mean, I would challenge you guys to t- like admit what it is you don't want to see come up in a workout and tell me what that is because that's what you should be doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think even too, uh, you know, you made a great point of never get out of shape. You know, and I think a lot of people, especially, I mean, I think everyone does it, but hunters especially they get ready for the season and it's you know whether it's shooting your bow or, or working out it's like summer comes around you're like oh crap i gotta start doing some of that stuff yeah. you know and, and we've said it before especially with shooting it's like why aren't we doing it 365 when when we should be and, you know and that's just going to make us better but you know talking about being fit and, and in shape is it's a lot of people don't understand you don't have to do so much high you know intensity stuff where you can still after the season maintain your fitness, you know, which is a little different of a style and then kind of ramp that up as you get closer to the season and and you're going to be well more, uh, better off than if you did nothing for, you know, after the season for a few months. So, you know, and there's plenty of people you can get in touch with and and YouTube videos and, you know, can, can explain some of that stuff. That way you're better off each year, just like you said, and not get out of shape
1: right on. Yeah. I mean. Seriously, the the whitetail hunters are going to know what I'm talking about when it's into October to mid November, you're on a like hunting blitz <laughs> and it's gas station food and it's not working out and you don't even really shoot your bow, like there's no time to shoot your bow unless it's out a whitetail and After season, daylight just dwindles once the daylight savings time comes and a lot of people have to go back to work. They're out of vacation and it's like, wake up in the dark, go to work, get home in the dark. No one wants to shoot their bow in the dark with their headlamp or in their basement. No one wants to go work out or stop at the gym. Like It's tough to get back on the wagon, but if you can get better at getting back on the wagon faster and not putting it off, man, is it going to be way more enjoyable down the road. Yep. Dude, man, thank you so much, Dan. I, I think that's a
0: good way to kind of wrap this one up. And you know, obviously, Elk Shape and uh, is your main thing. But like, where could people find you and on a, all those platforms?
1: Uh, it's at Elk Shape um, at the good platforms. And I say the good platforms, I mean podcasts and uh, YouTube and Instagram.
0: Awesome, man. Well, Dan, I appreciate it. It's it's it, it was a true honor to have you on. Thank you so much. Everybody, go check Dan out. He puts out unbelievable, amazing content. Uh, really enjoying it. Uh, so check it out. Until next time, antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Go check out Dan over at Elk Shape and the Elk Collective of what he has going on. His videos are fantastic. Just a stand-up guy. Huge motivational individual. And uh, best of luck to him uh, in his his future hunts. And everybody, thank you so much for your continued support. It means the world to us. Check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff. So thanks again, everybody. Hopefully, you're uh, winding down your turkey season, spending some time with your family, getting outdoors, camping is coming up soon, Uh, shooting your bow. Total Archery Challenge is only a few weeks away, so excited for that as well. Thanks again, everybody. See you next week. Antler Up.